Hey, if you're new, I want to especially welcome you. My name's Jose. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor of Cypress, and we are a group of people called Cypress Creek Church, a group of imperfect people, and we're all on a journey following the only perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you feel at home here this morning as we gather to worship and hear from God's Word. We ha- are in the middle of this. We're actually, we're, we're coming to the end of this rhythm series. We've looked at these holy habits, these healthy rhythms that the early church practiced that we are called to practice as his body here on earth. See, our mission statement as a church is to love God, to love people, and to make disciples. Disciples means students and followers. And so these four rhythms, these four habits are key essential habits for us as disciples of Jesus to activate in our lives. So we have looked at these three, and then we'll finish the series with, with the last one this morning. Acts chapter 2 says this, the first church gathering, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. So they were growing as they were praying. They were growing as they were in fellowship, breaking bread. They were growing as they were devoting themselves to the word of God. It goes on to say they also were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were actually giving to one another. As a need came up, they met that need internally. So they were uh, holding all things loosely. They were stewarding what God had given them. And so we talked about how to give through the church and how the church can become a way for people to get their physical, relational, emotional, and spiritual needs met. And then uh, we looked at day by day attending the temple together. So that's the corporate gathering. That's the large gathering for us. That's our Sunday morning gathering. And then they were breaking bread in their Homes. So they were gathering on Sunday morning and then they were gathering in homes throughout the week. We call those community groups. If you haven't found a community group, I hope that you uh, look for one, check them out, feel free to bounce around, gather. They were uh, receive their food with glad and generous hearts and then they were praising. That's okay, we can go on praising God and having favor with all the people. They were going. That's the rhythm we're going to talk about today. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were growing, they were giving, they were gathering, and they were going. My friends, if we activate those four rhythms, not only will we be fulfilling what God has asked us to do as his followers, but I believe that we will also find ourselves at rest. That's what Matthew uh, chapter 11 talks about. Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's put that scripture on the screen, Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Therefore, uh, Matthew chapter 11, please uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So it's this yoke that Jesus is saying, put on, be like me, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It may seem contradictory sometimes. Right? You tell me if I go to church, uh, we'll have, you tell me if I go to a community group, if I give through the church, if I actually uh, uh, give to the needs around me, if I uh, read the word, grow up to become more like Jesus and share my story, then I will have rest. That is what he is promising us. And I don't know about you, I need some rest in my life. That's why these are unforced rhythms of grace, which is what the message paraphrase uh, translates this as. Uh, Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, says Jesus. Learn these unforced rhythms of grace. Today, again, we're going to talk about the, 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 the most unpopular one, perhaps, for a lot of us, because some of us are thinking, Jose, I'll, I'll, I'll grow, I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, I'll, I'll grow up in, in my relationship with Jesus, I'll, I'll uh, gather, I'll, I'll get together with the believers here on Sunday morning in a community group, I'll even tithe and give to the church, but do not ask me to share my story or preach the gospel with anybody. You talk about the panic zone for some of us, Right? I have a story. I was with my brother uh, in Orange, I'm sorry, not in Southern California. We were in Santa Monica. Uh, he was going to school there. And, 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 and there's different people that were hanging out with booths. In one of the booths, they were called Jews for Jesus. And I beelined to them. I've been following Jesus for a few years now. And I had all these questions. Well, they wanted nothing to do with me. As soon as they found out that I was already a Christian, they were like, er, they, they, they didn't want to talk. They didn't want to talk to my brother. <laughs> and, and they asked him this question. They said, so how long have you been a Christian? Just point blank. How long have you been a Christian? And he said, what do you mean? I was born Catholic. I'm I've been a Christian all my life, and you know, I just saw their heads, and I got all nervous. Like, let's see how this this thing plays out. You know, now I'm just gonna stay quiet. And and they did a beautiful job talking about Romans chapter three, where it says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard of God. That that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ is everlasting life. And all who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart can be saved. And it is because of Jesus that we're saved, not because we do any of these rhythms or any of that. And, and, and my brother at the time, he had some, he had some like, you know, but he, but he came around and he, he came to know uh, Jesus and he has a relationship with Jesus and, and it's fun. But here's my point. Those guys were on mission. They weren't concerned about hanging out or talking in that, in that moment with me. They were on mission. And this morning, I hope that when we walk out of this room, that we would feel commission in that same uh, passion to share the love of Jesus with those out there. One caveat, in a room this size, chances are high that some of us are not yet following Jesus. And to you, I want to say, welcome. Continue to seek. Seek after Jesus, not religion, not ritual. Look at the person of Jesus, who he was in the Gospels, and continue to ask awesome questions because Jesus says, when you will seek, you will find. So I, I love that you are here. I, I want to invite you into what it looks like to gather as the body, read his word, and be equipped to do what Jesus has called us to do. We go. We go and we share the good 
news of Jesus. So this morning is kind of like this missionary school class in a way. And, and again, you may be thinking, just I, I'm, you've, I'm, you already have me tuned out, okay? Because you're like, that's the last thing I want to do. I hope again that not only you are excited to go and share your story by the end of today, but also that you find some rest. Because there are some keys that Jesus in the scriptures give us that, that show us how to go from a place of rest. First, uh, and quick recap of last week. We just hit one point last week, but I started with three things that happen when we do not go, when the church only huddles, when the church only gathers and does not scatter. The first one is that we become anxious about the little things. We major on the minors. We look at the little things of how we do church. Lights are too dim. Carpet's not my favorite color. Music style's not it for me. You know, we start thinking about us too much and it creates this anxiety and this tension. Uh, our community group is not filled with all of our best friends. Those kinds of things. And what that then leads to is apathy to those that are desperate for him. And, and the longer that we do that, it actually leads us to anger. And we look out and we say, why is this world so broken and evil? Do you know why? It's because this world is broken and evil. That's why. And it needs the saints to go out imperfectly and be salt and light in a lost and confused and broken world. It needs us. So sometimes we need to remember that we can't expect someone that doesn't yet follow Jesus to act as if they do. We need to be Jesus for them and in their life. That's why it's crucial for us to go. So how do we go? Let's go. Who's ready? Who's ready to go? Do I have a couple? Do I have one, two, three? I only need four. I have a fourth. Thank you. So last week, we only hit our first point, which is this. First thing we need to do is slow down and start small because great things have small beginnings. That's the story of this gospel message. It started with one man named Jesus, and he had three best friends. He had 12 guys that hung around him. He empowered 72. This early church, after Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit descended so that the church could go out, was about 120, quickly grew to 3,000. And now you and I are sitting in this room because the church scattered. But it started small. Uh, in Acts, the whole rest of the book of Acts, we're just looking at a couple of verses here in chapter two. Uh, there's a, actually a document that you can find on the guide, tcc.guide, and I made this for our community group leaders uh, last year, and it talks about all of the verses that speak to the church going, the church scattering. There's like 40 or so verses that speak in different seasons in this book of the church going, not focused inward, but just going and starting new. But all of this started with one seed. We looked last week about this yeast of uh, a strain of yeast about three micrometers of size can actually make 60 loaves of bread with flour, right? Feed a, a multitude of people. This mustard seed that's just like two millimeters big can grow up to become a powerful tree that sustains life not only within, but also in the birds, in the nest, and, and, and sustain life outside of it. Start small with a conversation 
with a friend. Start small with a text message or students with a DM. You can just drop a DM and say, hey, you want to go to church? Hey, you want to go to community group? Hey, you want to read this book of the Bible with me? It just starts with one question. And you watch what those seeds do in a matter of time. But here's the reality. Some seed falls on good soil and a lot of seeds fall on bad soil. This is called the parable of the sower. Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 13. And, and he talks about the, the, the path where the seed just falls and you know birds pluck it out and it's, it's gone. And then the second is uh, the thorny soil where, where things uh, come in, but then they get choked. The seed comes in, takes, uh, you know, starts planting, but then the thorns choke it out. And there's a, a third. I'm, I'm blanking on the third. What is the third? The path the thorns. Someone said it, that one. Uh, and then there's the fourth, which is the good soil. Let's read what Jesus, let's read what Jesus uh, explains it. When trouble or uh, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This seed is along the path. That's the first one. There we go. Uh, the seed falling on rocky ground. That's the one that I was forgetting. Refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. This happens when we gather together. We see the move of God. We're like, oh man, God's moving. But then we go back to our lives and then it's like as if nothing happened. It's short term. The third, uh, oh, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seeds falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. I can think of seasons in my life where I have fallen on all these four categories, where people were loving me uh, like, like Jesus, where, where there was good motives and good intentions, and I was like, mm-mm. Uh, and then other times where I had those God experiences, uh, but then, but then I, I went away and I went back to my uh, patterns and habits. And, and then other times where, where I felt really uh, like, man, I'm going in, I'm going deep, but then a circumstance out of the blue comes in and I feel shaken and, and I'm not truly anchored. And, and so then, then, I, then I fell away. But thanks be to God, uh, there was a season in my life where the seed fell on good Soil, And then here's what happens with the good soil. This one produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. The seed that falls on good soil multiplies and does way more than anyone could ever think was possible because of the power of time, the power of taking things slow problem again is that, well, Jose, that's a 25% success rate. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not enough. We, we get disappointed with that 75%. We, we get tired. We, we start thinking, does this even work? I've tried this. I've tried talking about Jesus. I've tried sharing about the things of God and, and nothing has happened. Well, that's why we need to do this next thing. And that's take off the judgment of those three-fourths and, and instead be like Jesus and put on compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is traveling through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had 
compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Jesus could have said, I'm here. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows who I am. I'm going to heal everybody. I'm going to make sure that every need is met. Instead, this is a mystery. God empowers his disciples. God empowers us to be his workers out there in a lost and confused harvest field. I believe that in this season of our church, God is gathering workers for the harvest. I believe that each one of you are uniquely and specifically placed in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your schools to be active workers for God as he has placed us exactly where he wants us. The question is, are we, are we willing to go? Uh, and, and, and the way we go, again, is, is we take off the judgment and, and we, we be like Jesus filled with compassion. See, the problem here is that these guys, our hearts don't break when we see those that are helpless. Our hearts grow hardened. Our, our hearts uh, think things like, man, they, they deserve that. And maybe they did. But what if someone was like Jesus and showed them grace? There's no coincidence that there's a direct correlation between the amount, this is research is showing this, the amount of time we spend consuming news and social media to the decrease in empathy and compassion that we're seeing in our world. So if you want to know, okay, Jose, that's me. I feel right now, man, I think of something and I'm like, ooh, get off that social media, man. <laughs> Turn off that TV. Spend time with Jesus. He has all the compassion in the world for you and for me. And he will come and, and he will judge. So we don't need to worry about being the judge or on the throne. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of authority. That's too much responsibility for us. God, from the beginning of the Bible, is the God of compassion. The most quoted verse in the Old Testament is Exodus 34, which says this, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's who God is. And he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. God is a God of justice. And yet, he became the way for us to find a right relationship with Jesus. He forgave our debt so that we wouldn't have to deal with the punishment for our sins and, and, and be washed white as snow. He made a way for us. And he needs people to be like him, full of compassion and not judgment. Harvest is plentiful, he says. The workers are few, so we're slowing down remembering that great things start small. We can take uh, a judgment off and, and put his compassion on. And, and here's probably my favorite one. We, we take any pressure off of ourselves doing it. And then we say, uh, God, we're, we're going to look for peace. We're going to go in peace looking for people 
of peace. See, the first mission trip was actually local. Jesus sends 72 in Luke, where he says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. In the gospel of Luke, he, he sends these 72 out and he's saying, hey, um, I'm going to send you as sheep among wolves. Get ready. Have fun. It's going to be easy. Uh, it's going to be nice. It's going to be comfortable. No, it, it's going to be tough. Don't even bring anything. He's going to provide all of our needs. And then he says this in Luke chapter 10. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Isn't that cool? You don't say, the kingdom of the Lord is near, therefore repent. You know, no, he's saying, hey, peace. I come in peace, man. Jesus came to bring peace here on earth. He didn't come to condemn. He actually came to save so that our sin wouldn't condemn us. Therefore, I come in peace. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it'll return to you. He says, just keep going. Just keep going. Move on. Don't, don't pick fights. Just look for those who have peace. I also love that, men, we are being called out by Jesus here. He, he didn't say, hey, look for uh, daughters of peace, probably because every, you know, it's like they're all over the place. Uh, and, and so it's like, man, he says, look for sons of peace peace because men, as we go, our family follows. The kingdom of God, when there is a man that comes to know Jesus, that is a win for generations and generations. No other person can inflict more harm in a family than a dad, and no other person can inflict the amount of life that a dad can bring. And so Jesus is going after the leader, saying, I'm going after the sons of peace. There's nothing manlier than a man surrendered to Jesus with, with arms lifted high saying, Lord, I need you. Oh man, I need you, God. I can't do this on my own. I can't uh, lead my family through this hard point. I need you, Jesus. I want to be like that. How about you, dads? Let's be like that. Women, find you a man that loves Jesus. If you're not with one yet, and if, and if, and if, and if, and if, and if your man don't love Jesus, you keep on loving Jesus because the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear that as you continue to love Jesus, man, and we have stories. We have so many stories like that here in this church family where many years of prayers. Wow. We see awesome things through our men. No one can come to me, John 6, unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. We take the pressure off. It's not us doing the work. He's doing the work. We're joining him. We're entering, we're, we're entering into a setup, <laughs> to a sting operation for Jesus. And, and, and we just look for peace. The other thing is, is that uh, 2 Corinthians 2 talks about this aroma that we have when we are in Christ. I think this is super important in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 2. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we who are in Christ, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Check this out. To the one we are an aroma that brings death into the other, an aroma that brings life. What, what does this mean? It means that when, when we're Christians, 
our sheer presence is known. We don't even have to say anything and we can already make people feel uncomfortable. So if you're afraid of what people may think or saying the wrong thing, don't worry, your presence already has if they know that you're a Christian. That's what the scripture is saying. The aroma, you don't say anything. Well, sometimes you say something for a bad aroma. You know, brush your teeth and make sure that that's in check. But just our very presence, scripture says, is an aroma of life and death. Take the pressure off. He's, he's doing the work. Look, look for peace. Look for peace. We are the only Bible that someone may ever read. You are the only uh, Christian that someone may ever be close by. And so uh, we've slowed down. We started small. We've taken off uh, judgment, put on compassion. We take the pressure off and we're looking for peace. Now, where, where do we go? Uh, where? Well, the first local uh, first mission trip was local, and so we should also go local. Uh, next week is an awesome week. I hope you're back for next week. Pastor Morris from Uganda will be bringing the word. He's a long-term missions partner of ours. If you look back over there, those are all the nations represented that we partner with. These are relationships that we have with people that, that are working to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. I hope that you have the opportunity to go overseas on a mission trip. It will change your life. It will give you perspective that nothing else lives. But let me tell you something. The most significant mission trip that you'll take is across the street. And it's the hardest. Jesus said, love your neighbor. <laughs> Why? Because your neighbor sees how you live Monday through Saturday. The neighbor doesn't only really see, oh, the car's gone on Sunday morning. No, they, they see how you act. They hear your kids. Uh, they, they see what is going on. And that's who we're called to go right where we are. See, uh, uh, if you're asking me, well, where besides my neighborhood, um, where has God given you favor? Where do you have influence? That's where God wants you to go. Like me in the junior high cafeteria, that can be in your place of business. That can be with a long uh, uh, friend for, 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 that you've had for a long, long time. Go right where you are and let's share our story. Here's how we share our story. We start by asking, what was our life like before we followed Jesus? What things weighed us down? What did our habits look like? What were we focused on? What did we consume? And what did that end up like? What was your life like before following Jesus? How did you come to know Jesus? And then how is your life different now that you follow Jesus? For some of us, had you come to know Jesus? That was a one decision, boom, changed forever. For some of us, that was a process. It took a while. And, and now we may not be uh, in the third heaven praising Jesus all day long, okay? But may, we're a work in progress, and our life may look just a little bit different, but it looks different. We get to share what God is doing in our lives in real time. And thank God, he uses us. He uses people. Uh, I like to say my life is tailor-made because uh, Taylor, our executive pastor, is in my life. My wife, his name is Taylor, a couple of other Taylors that are special to me in my life. Uh, but I'm really grateful for the first Taylor that showed up in my life. I was on the club soccer team at Texas State, well, trying out for the club soccer team 
uh, uh, Texas State. And funny enough, he had just heard a sermon like this, and he's like, I'm not an evangelist. That is not my gifting. I don't want to do that. And, and then I showed up. He, he told me that I was wearing this shirt of uh, uh, my high school. Just graduated high school. I hadn't gotten the memo that you don't wear high school shirts when you go to college. But thankfully, God had a plan. So he had gone to our rival school. So that kicked off a conversation. And then by God's grace, he just selected me. He went after me. He, he didn't give up on me, even whenever I ignored his texts and his phone calls. But then I found myself in a community group reading this with other imperfect people, openly doubting and questioning, is God really real? And then what I started doing is I started activating these rhythms in my life. And all of a sudden, I realized that these temporary things, they're just, uh, these see, uh, what we see here is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that alone satisfied me in a way that nothing else did. And that's how I started following Jesus. That tailor was my Ananias. Ananias is a guy who came to the apostle Paul's life. Paul went on to uh, write 13 of our New Testament books. And I want to close by just getting a snapshot of his story so that we can frame our stories in this week. That's our homework. We need to uh, uh, think about how is God asking me to share my story this first Scripture talks about uh, Paul before he knew God. Check this out. Meanwhile, Saul, that was his name before it was Paul, was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's uh, Christianity, that's what it was called in the first century, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He was a bad hombre. He was a bad dude. He, he was doing bad things. And, and this was Paul's Testimony written in Acts chapter 9. And then as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He, he replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do some of us have a story like this, where we heard the audible voice of God, where we felt this incredible passionate encounter with God. And then for some of us, it was in our beds at seven years old, we just clicked. Whatever it is, praise God. Here's his life after words. Ananias comes to Paul. Ananias uh, actually questions God, like, are you sure you want me to go? Don't you know who this guy is? Uh, this guy hates me and everybody that lives like me and you, God. And, and, and God told Ananias, go, because I'm going to use Paul for, he's my chosen instrument to bring the people, the, the, the gospel seed to the ends of the earth. And so Ananias, wise man, does so. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So he was gathering with the believers. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. So, so he started uh, gathering with them. Uh, he was giving the gospel message. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? It's a win when anyone in our life looks at our lives and say, wasn't that the guy who royally messed things up? Who was in the pit? No way out but God. 
Wasn't that the woman who did this crazy thing and life was in shambles? But God came through and redeemed and restored and fully forgave. And now we're on fire, commissioned to go out in the name of Jesus. May this be true, that Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled. May Cypress Creek Church baffle the surrounding world by what God has done in our lives, living in Damascus and proving that Jesus is the Son of God. Worship team, you can come back up. I want to close by commissioning us to go. Just like Jesus commissioned the disciples, be my witnesses, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And be sure of this, I am with you always. He is with us as we go. And I also want to invite anyone that, does not yet know Jesus as, as their personal savior, as, as the one who's rescued you from your sin, from the punishment that your sin deserved. And, and your Lord is the master of your life, the one that dictates how you live. I, I want to invite you to say yes to him. So if you're able and willing, please stand as we close in prayer. Lord, we are grateful for the way that you weave our stories together, for the many different stories here represented in the room, Father. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that as we go out, that you would lead us. Lord, I know that there are already names in our minds and in our hearts of people that you're drawing near to you. I pray that you would open doors this very week for us to sow seeds of the gospel in their lives, for us to be compassionate like you were compassionate with us, Lord. I pray that, that they would be refreshed by you through our presence. They would receive this aroma that brings about life. So, Lord, I, I commission us to go out, to be like Jesus, to a lost and helpless world our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. Lord, for anyone that has yet to say yes to you, Jesus, I also want to invite them to take this moment to, to do that. If, if there is peace there, if you're drawing them there, thank you that there's nothing special that you want us to do, but you just want us to believe in our hearts and profess with our mouths that you are Lord and that you were risen from the dead, that you lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so if that's you, all God's asking is a simple yes. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, that you died to forgive me of my sins, and you rose from the dead to bring me everlasting life. I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. And if you uttered that word in your mind or out loud, invite you to join us as a church family as we imperfectly follow the perfect standard.